If you have your Bibles, grab them, Psalms chapter 23. So we're going to be this morning, Psalm chapter 23. We're entering the season of the year where the gyms will be packed tomorrow, but don't worry, they will be cleared out by Wednesday. No, uh, seriously, New Year's is always a time for reflection, a time to look back over the year, to see the good things, to see the difficult things that you overcame, to see the things that you are grateful for, that made you stronger and wiser, uh, and to see that you made it to another year. Uh, You matured, you learned all those things, you rose above challenges, but now it is also a time to look ahead. What goals do I want to accomplish this year? Uh, where do I want to grow? Where do I want to improve? Where do I, what do I want to accomplish? And so this morning I wanted us to take a moment. Uh, we finished our Advent series. We'll start back in 1 Corinthians, pick that back up next week. But I wanted to just take a, a one-off moment to look and reflect on Psalm 23 and use it as a way to reflect over the past year and look forward to the coming year. And so let's read Psalm 23 together, Uh, and would you stand with me uh, out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. Psalm chapter 23 says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. In 2005, two years before I graduated high school, 2005, in Istanbul, some of y'all were like, I didn't know he was that young. Uh, In 2005, in Istanbul, Turkey, uh, there were a group of shepherds uh, out in the field watching over about 1,500 sheep. Uh, And uh, it was early in the morning, and they wanted to take a break. Uh, for breakfast, and so they kind of went into their little 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 shack uh, to make some breakfast. Left the sheep unattended for you know just a little bit, just a few minutes, so they could go in and eat. And they didn't think it would be a big big problem, but it ended up being horrible. See, one of the sheep uh, ventured off a little bit uh, too close to the edge of a massive cliff, and it ended up falling off. Well, uh, because there were no shepherds, uh, the other sheep thought, huh, well, let's follow him. That seems like a good idea. And so uh, they all, all 1,500 sheep walk off the edge of the cliff. 450 of the sheep died, and the other, uh, you know, 1,050 of them survived because they had a giant pillow to fall on. You see, sheep without a shepherd are not likely to survive, actually. Sheep without a shepherd will die. Almost every uh, domesticated animal, if you release it into the wild, can survive on their own, except for sheep. You release a dog, 
release a cat, a, a horse, a, a bird, whatever animal you think of, you, you release it into the wild and it finds a way to survive, it can do it. Now, if you release your dog into the wild, it might go into a season of depression and, talk, and just be sad because it misses you, uh, but it'll survive. If you release a cat into the wild, it will just go, freedom, and be out. He gone. But if you went to a farm and you released some sheep into the wild, they would all die. Set a sheep free, and it says, but who's going to feed me? If you were to put a sheep in a place where it had everything it needed to survive, you put a sheep in a spot where it's got everything. It's got shelter, it's got food, it's got water, it's got green pastures, it's got no wolves, no predators. A sheep would wander off and leave that place without a care in the world and go and die. They're idiots. And the Bible calls us sheep. So, And this, this is the animal the Bible describes us as. So we need more... Um, then a sign pointing us in the right direction. Because we have that in the Bible and we go the opposite direction. We need a protector. Someone to deal with our worst enemies. We need someone who can fight for us over the things we have no control. We need a provider, one who will make sure we're taken care of and we have what we need. We need a shepherd. And without one, we will surely perish. But with one, we will thrive. This morning... What I want us to see is three main things that our shepherd does for us. And I want us to look back over this year and to see our shepherd's hand in our lives, in your lives. And then I want us to look forward trusting in that shepherd's continued sovereign care over us. Look back at verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. If you're taking notes, write this down. We can live without worry because our shepherd always provides for us. We can live without worry because our shepherd always provides for us. When we go back to verse 1 and we see that the Lord is my shepherd. If you knew Hebrew, if you were reading it in Hebrew, you would see that that word Lord is the word Yahweh. It is the very specific, intimate, special name of God. There are lots of ways that the Bible talks about God or writes the word God or Lord. There are some general ways. But in Hebrew, there's this very specific name of God, and that's the name that is used here. When you read it in your Bible, it is usually in all capital letters, and it's the word Yahweh in Hebrew, which is the special name for God. It is his actual name. It's how he tells his people, this is who I am. And it is, it's this personal name that carries the idea of a God who is always faithful to keep his covenant promises. That is Yahweh. And so this very specific God, this covenant-keeping, faithful God, big, unchanging God, God who's parted the ocean, cared for his people, brought them out of Egypt, given them a king, protected them, this Yahweh covenant-keeping God is our shepherd. The one who was always with the sheep. And now we get a description of the types of things that this shepherd does for his sheep. But first we get this summary phrase. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The word want carries the idea of deprived. The Lord is my shepherd and because he is my shepherd, I will not be deprived. I won't be in wanting. 
I won't be lacking for the things I need because as we'll see, the shepherd makes sure I have it all. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now sheep, what do they eat? They eat grass. And so he takes me to where there is green grass. Now sheep, they're directionless. They will literally run away from sources of provision without a shepherd. But the shepherd leads them, guides them, makes them go to where there is food so that they will eat. He makes them lie down, this strong leading and guiding language. He's leading them to where there is food and provision. But you need to understand something about the context. David, King David, wrote this psalm. And where did King David live? He lives in the Middle East. And do you know what the Middle East is like? It's a desert. And it's rocky. And it's mountainous. There are not big, massive, green, lush fields in the Middle East. Uh, When you are driving through the country here in America, you pass by big fields and big pastures full of cows and all kinds of animals and grass everywhere. That is not the mental picture you need to have when you think about uh, the, 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 the green pastures it's talking about here. That is not the sort of lavishness it, it, it has. No, when we read that the shepherd leads his sheep to green pastures, we are to understand that the shepherd provided a place that in the midst of the sand and the rocks and the hilly terrain and kind of this barren wasteland, there are some green patches of grass intermixed in and around the rocks and the sand. Not some big green field. And so when the shepherd leads his sheep to this place, this sort of green pasture, it is enough food for the sheep for that day. And that's it. And it means today we are full, we're fed, we're provided for. And it means that tomorrow when we wake up, we have to trust that the shepherd is going to lead us to another green pasture, enough food, enough provision for the next day. And so we trust in the Lord to wake, wake us up and bring us that the next day. You know, it is reminiscent of that time in the Old Testament when the Lord provided manna for the children of Israel, right? Uh, he made bread come from heaven because they're in the desert and they, they had nothing to eat. And, and so he said, don't worry, there'll be manna from heaven, bread from heaven. And so they wake up and they eat it. And God tells them, but don't store it up. Don't save it. Don't put it in jars and baskets because it will rot. But, you know, what do they do? They don't trust that God's going to keep giving it. So they put it in baskets and they wake up the next morning and it's rotten. But what do they find? They go outside and there's more bread. There's more manna for them to feed them that day. Because God was trying to teach them something. To trust him. You don't need to store it up thinking that I'm not going to provide for you tomorrow. Because I provided for you today and I also am going to provide for you tomorrow. The point is the Lord may not grant you lavish luxury. But you will have what you need today. And you may not have any idea of where the provision is going to come from tomorrow or how it's going to get handled. You may not know how you're going to pay that bill, provide for your family. But the point is, the shepherd knows. You may not know where that provision is going to come from or how you're going to get through, but the shepherd does. He knows where the next green pasture is, and he's going to lead you around that mountain to it. The shepherd provided for you today and yesterday and the day before that, 
and so certainly he will provide for you tomorrow. The shepherd found grass in the desert to make sure you were fed, and he will do it again and again. And we, you, are his sheep. You don't understand where the shepherd keeps pulling these tricks out of his hat. And so sometimes we get afraid, right? Like maybe God's out of tricks. Maybe God has exhausted all of the resources he's got, and tomorrow I'm on my own. And that's the point. Not that God will lavish in luxury today and in abundance today, but rather he gives it to us daily so that we continue to lean on and learn to trust him. To trust him. And sometimes it takes us years of of seeing God's hand at work in our lives again and again and again and again and again until we finally go, well, I guess maybe he'll do it again tomorrow. Sometimes our fear is that God really isn't paying attention. You know, like, he's got a whole universe to take care of, and I'm like this little speck in this whole universe. And so, like, maybe he's kind of, you know, just kind of thrown some resources that way and moved on, and he doesn't understand my specific needs, my specific situation, because he's running the universe after all. But notice what the text says next. He leads me beside still waters. Did you know that sheep, who are pretty much afraid of everything, are afraid of running water? Sheep are afraid of moving water. And the only way that they will drink is that if they have calm, still, motionless water to drink from. And the shepherd knows his sheep. He knows this about them. And so he leads them not to some, you know, rupping rapid river. He He leads them to where the still water is so that they can drink and be refreshed. You see, the shepherd knows his sheep. He's not a rookie. Right? He's not out here flying by the seat of his pants trying to figure out why these sheep need so much help. No, he knows the sheep. He knows their worries. He knows their fears. He knows their needs. And he makes sure that they get what they need. And if you are in Christ, you have a shepherd who is providing for you, leading you to places that you do not see or understand, but he will get you there and he knows you. And he knows your needs, and he knows your fears, and he knows your worries, and he knows how to provide for you in the way that you need in the season of life that you're in. And so here's what I want us to do for a moment. I want you uh, all to take a moment, and I want you to think over the past year. And I want you to write down, whether in your worship guide, in your journal, on the back of a receipt stuck in your pocket somewhere, I want you to write down. As many of the ways that you can think of that the Lord provided for you this year. And and maybe you start now and maybe you go home and finish this later. But I want you to write 20, 30, 40 of the ways that the Lord provided for you. Because here's what you're going to find. The first like 5 to 10 ways that the Lord provided are going to be very easy. He provided food. He provided shelter. He provided a job. Like you're gonna, you're just gonna fly through those. But then it's gonna get hard, and you're gonna have to spend a little bit of time, kind of really thinking and really meditating, and really like kind of getting distractions out of your way, and really thinking over the past year. And if you do that, you are going to find all of these other things in your life that you see the Lord's at work in, His provision in that you never gave him credit for or understood or took the time to recognize that the Lord did that. You see, the Lord's provision 
doesn't come via supernatural delivery in the way that we think of supernatural delivery. Like it's not like we sit down for dinner and we've got no food in the pantry or the fridge and we pray and we open our eyes and boom, there's a plate of food. Thank you, Jesus. No, but rather the Lord provides through supernatural means, through supernatural power through ordinary means. It reminds me of the man who lived by the river. You know, the man who lived by the river who got on a, a radio broadcast that told him that the rain was going to cause a flood and that he, everyone needed to evacuate the town. But the man said he was a religious man. He prayed God loved him and God would rescue him and so he didn't leave. Well, the flood waters began to rise and the man had to climb up on his roof. And a boat came by and he said, hey, come jump in. We'll get you to safety. And he said, no, I'm a religious man. God loves me. I pray he was going to rescue me. So the boat leaves. The waters continue to rise. Then a helicopter comes, and they say, hey, we'll throw you down a ladder. Climb up, and we'll take you to safety. And the man says, no, I'm a religious man. God loves me. I pray God will rescue me. And so the helicopter flies off, and the waters continue to rise, and it sweeps the man away, and he drowns and dies. Well, he goes to heaven, and he stands before God, right? Uh, and, and he says, God, I'm a religious man. I pray you love me. Why, did you let, why didn't you rescue me? Why didn't, why didn't you let me die? And he says, well, I sent you a radio broadcast, a boat, and a helicopter. What are you doing here? But oftentimes, we think that God's provision is going to be some supernatural, big, spectacular, magical thing. When in reality, it comes through very ordinary means. We just have to have the eyes to see it. You see, God's provision comes through a friend who gives you some money to make it through that week. God's provision comes through a friend who you need to talk to when you are at your lowest. A friend who helps you emotionally climb out of the pit of despair. His provision comes through the wisdom of correction. When, when someone in some way or somehow exposes some error in your life, some bad judgment in your life that you are not able to see, and because that friend or that experience helped expose that thing, you changed course and have spared yourself a lot of misery. There are so many ways the Lord provided and I want to encourage you to spend some time meditating and listing them because you will see that the list gets really long. And you will see his provision in places you didn't expect. And not just monetary provisions, but even the provision of a friend when you needed him. All those types of things. And when you do this, you're going to see two things. One, it's going to, you're going to see yourself praising and worshiping God and giving thanks because of all of these things you didn't notice. And the second is you're going to trust him more moving forward because you're going to not freak out as much because you're going to say, man, I didn't even take notice of the fact that God had done all of these things in my life, provided in all of these ways in my life. And so now going forward, I'm going to be more attuned to and ready to see and more trusting that God's got this. And so next year, when you lose your job, you will freak out a little less because you know the Lord has green pastures around the next mountain and he will lead you there. So maybe one of your New Year's resolutions should be this, to take better notice of the Lord's provisions next year and to trust him where you can't see around the next corner.
take better notice of the Lord's provision and trust him when you can't see around the next corner. So we see that a shepherd, our shepherd, God, who provides for us, but also we see that he protects us. If you're taking notes, write this down. We can live without fear because our shepherd protects us. We can live without fear because our shepherd protects us. Now, remember something about sheep. They have virtually no defensive mechanism. Right? There are three defensive mechanisms that animals have, and sheep don't have any of them. An animal can fight, but a sheep has no claws. It doesn't have sharp teeth. A sheep can't, can't fight, right? right? They can't do that. Uh, you can run. An animal can run away. But sheep are slower than any predator that would come after them, and so they're waddling away. Ain't going to do much. They, you, an animal can posture, right? An animal can bark or hiss or the hair stand up on its back, make itself look bigger than it is, make itself look scary. But what's a sheep going to do? Right? Like sheep are completely defenseless. And so they must have a shepherd there to protect them. Notice the text says, he makes them lie down in green pastures, right? We just talked about that. Well, the shepherd makes them lie down, meaning the sheep can rest, they can lie down without being worried that some wolf is going to come eat them while they sleep. They don't have to be the ones looking out for danger because the shepherd is awake watching over the hill and so they can lie down without worry. How often? Do we not get rest, not rest in our minds or our bodies, but we live in this posture of stress. We live in this posture of anxiety and worry about the problems we face or the problems we think might happen one day. We invent them. And in those moments where, you know, we can't rest, we can't think, we can't get out of this worry and anxiety and stress because we're worried about every possible scenario of things that might possibly potentially could go horribly wrong. It's because we're forgetting and not trusting in our shepherd's ability to protect us and get us through those seasons and moments. And so we must remember The shepherd protects us and he frees us from fear. And so we should be able to rest knowing that the Lord is watching over us when we sleep. Because the Lord doesn't sleep or slumber. And the Lord sees our enemies coming way far off before we even think of them. You know, there is a list that I wish we could make. But we can't. A a list I wish we could make but are unable because we don't even know the things to write down. But I wish we could, that we could write down a list of all of the enemies, all of the situations, all of the things that the Lord has defeated and defended us against and removed before we were even aware of the possibility. The sheep can sleep soundly knowing the shepherd scares off the wolves and they didn't wake up and even know they were there. And think about how often that has happened in your life where the Lord has done something, protected you, worked your life in a way to keep you from some tragedy, something, and you had no idea it was even on the horizon. Notice verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I want you to notice that the subject of the verbs changed. The subject of the verb has changed. It started out talking about he, he the Lord. Now it's I. 
David's talking about himself. You see, the significance of this is that at first we saw what the shepherd does. What the, what the actions of the shepherd is. But now we see because of the shepherd's work, this is how I can feel. So when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear because I know what the shepherd is doing and that the shepherd protects me. You see, the valley of the shadow of death is a picture of a valley that has cliffs on each side where enemies are lying in wait, ready for you to walk through. It's like in modern days, it would be like walking down a back alley in a downtown bad part of the city. And you know that walking down, there's enemies lurking. There are bad guys lurking behind the dumpsters in the shadows waiting to pounce on you, waiting to uh, uh, attack unsuspecting travelers. It is meant to communicate extreme danger and uncertainty. Just like you and I sometimes are afraid of the future, afraid of the unknown, afraid of getting sick, afraid of what might happen. And that fear often paralyzes us and we can't do anything. We can't function in life. We just live in this anxiety and stress and it cripples us. But David knows something that we often forget. David knows this. Because David walked through battles. He has been on the run from King Saul and his armies. He has walked through danger again and again. He's slain giants. And the shepherd has always protected him. And David, who was a shepherd himself, knows that the shepherd has tools in his arsenal to protect his sheep. As a shepherd, they have a rod and a staff. This is what our text says. The rod and your staff, they comfort me. Well, these shepherd tools, they do three things. One, they bring discipline. When a sheep is walking toward a cliff, uh, uh, when a sheep is doing something that the shepherd knows is going to hurt the sheep, the shepherd hits the sheep with the staff, protecting it, changing its direction, keeping it from hurting itself. We do this as parents, right? Uh, as, 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 and God, our shepherd, does this for us, causing pain to keep us from the things that we'll do to hurt ourselves. As parents, we might administer through pain a spanking or a grounding or a taking away a cell phone. And all that pain is to teach that I shouldn't have done that thing because it's going to hurt me. God, in the same way, disciplines those he loves to keep us from hurting ourselves. But also these tools, they rescue us. The staff has a hook on the end of it. And so when the sheep gets in trouble by getting stuck in some hole or something, the shepherd uses that hook to grab the sheep and pull it out. David is showing us that God has his own set of tools of rescue. When we get ourselves into trouble, when we are in the grips of danger, even when it's our own stupidity and our own fault, we have a kind and patient shepherd who rescues us again and again and pulls us out. And these tools are meant for protecting. David knew all too well that bears and lions and wolves would come trying to eat his sheep. And he would take his rod and he would fend off those attackers fighting the enemy to save his sheep. David would risk his own life to protect his sheep. And God, our shepherd, protects us from evil. So we too can face each day, no matter how scary the valley is, we can face it because we know that God is with us, that God is there. He's protecting us. And he has all of these tools to keep us safe. And he does it because he loves his sheep. No matter how stupid and self-destructive we can be sometimes, God is the patient shepherd who keeps protecting us. We worry about fears that we can see or sometimes that we can just imagine. But think of how many times God has protected you from things that you never knew were coming. 
that were beyond your sight or imagination. I think about that old Garth Brooks song, Unanswered Prayers. And, and how sometimes we have prayed for things, and we pray sometimes for things, and we like, see this much of the picture. And we think that we're, t- we're telling God, God, this is what I want you to do, this exact specific thing. And sometimes God doesn't answer it, but yet still it works out differently than we could have ever imagined. And we're like, Garth Brooks, sometimes God's greatest gift is unanswered prayers. It's my country reference for the day. You're welcome. And so we can live without fear. Because we know the, good, the shepherd protects us. And so as we look back on 2023, there are tons of things you cannot list because you don't even know them. The things that God has protected you from. But write down some of the things that you did see coming. That God protected you from or brought you safely through. Doesn't mean that, that sometimes it wasn't hard, it wasn't difficult, but God brought you through that trial safely to the other side. Maybe a little bruised and banged up, but maybe you learned something through it. And as we look to 2024, maybe here is a New Year's resolution for you. I won't live in fear because I know God will protect me. And so I'm not going to live in fear and anxiety and stress by all the things that I imagine might happen or could go wrong because I know that God, my shepherd, is watching and protecting me. So I'm going to trust him. And that if he wants me to go through some trial, some difficult season, I know he'll send me through it. And I know it's for my good because he cares about me. And so, so we can see in, in this psalm our shepherd's provision and protection. But allow me one more peep. All right. Verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. So write this down. We can live with purpose because our shepherd creates a path. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Well, what is this path? What is this path of righteousness? Well, it's the Lord's path. The Hebrew communicates it is the Lord's wagon tracks. We are following this path laid out by our shepherd. We are to do the same things that the Lord does. The shepherd is leading us down this tried and true path, the narrow way, as the Bible would say. This isn't communicating that, hey, you've got to go be perfect. But rather that our lives should follow the path of the Lord, the one he has laid out. And so our holiness should strive to match his. Our character, our virtue, our love, our forgiveness, our lives should be like that of the great shepherd, Jesus. But why is it the Lord is leading us down this path? While we would certainly say that this path leads to the greatest joy, the greatest fulfillment, the Lord's path is one that makes sense of the world and it leads to the abundant life. While all of that is true. That is not the main reason given here. And those are honestly secondary reasons. The fact that we follow the Lord because it's the best for us is a secondary reason. The primary reason the Lord leads us down his path of right living and following the Lord, he says, it's for his namesake. That is when God's people act like a fool, act contrary to him and his ways. When God's people do not model who God is, that reflects on him. It reflects on his name. And his name is denigrated when the world thinks less of God because us as Christians have acted a fool. We are communicating something untrue about God. And so when you are quick-tempered 
you communicate something untrue about God. When you are slow to forgive, you communicate something untrue about God. When you slander and attack your enemies, you communicate something untrue about God. When you lie and gossip, when you envy, when you lust and you steal or give into whatever vice, you are communicating something untrue about God. When you communicate something untrue about God through your life, you are belittling and damaging and smearing God's name and his reputation in the world. And so the primary reason God does everything that he does, from leading you to this righteous life, to sending his son to die for you, every action he does is motivated first and foremost for his own glory and fame, for the sake of his name, for the sake of his reputation, and anything less for God to do would be idolatry for him. The first question of the Westminster Catechism asks the question, what is the chief end of man? What is our purpose? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. How do we glorify God? Certainly in many ways, but most simply put, we glorify God by following him in the path that he has laid before us. That is what is meant, what it means to be a disciple. To be a disciple means that we learn everything Jesus believes, everything Jesus does and says, and we repeat it. We live it, we model it, we embrace it for the glory of God. That's our purpose, to follow Jesus' path, to live like him and find ultimate joy in following his ways. And so maybe another New Year's resolution for you will be, I will follow the path that Jesus has laid before me. Instead of trying to live a double life, trying to have a foot in the world and a foot with Jesus, say, hey, I'm going to put both feet and my whole body all in on Jesus and where he's leading me and what he's asking of me and what he wants me to do. And so finally, let me close with this thought. The psalm says that the shepherd restores our soul. And some of you are here this morning, and 2023 has been rough. It has run you ragged. And some of you are in a little bit of a need of some soul restoring. And so how do we get that? To restore your soul, you have to know and draw close to the good shepherd. See, David used this metaphor that God is like a shepherd, not knowing that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, Jesus would come and use the same metaphor to describe himself. And Jesus didn't say he was just any shepherd. He said he was the good shepherd. The good shepherd who knows his sheep by name. And who when one is lost, he goes and finds it, puts it on its back, and brings it home. His sheep, he says, know his voice. And listen to him because they trust him. He provides, he protects, he gives purpose to our lives. But what makes him the good shepherd is something that David never foresaw. That the good shepherd, he doesn't just provide, he doesn't just protect, he doesn't just fight for us. The good shepherd, he knows our deepest problem. He knows that our deepest problem is not the valley of the shadow of death. Rather, our deepest problem is death itself, not its shadow, but the real thing. And so he comes as our good shepherd, not just risking his life to fight off some enemy. He comes down laying down his life for his sheep. See, Jesus knows our greatest enemy is sin and death. And he came to defeat those enemies for us by becoming a sheep himself. And by willingly sacrificing himself so that our souls can be restored. If you want your soul restored, you have to know the good shepherd. You have to know what he's done. You have to know what he's done for you, what he's given up to save you, and you have to draw near to him. And the place that we find him most clearly is in his word. And so, 
If you do not know this good shepherd, today's your lucky day because you can know him today. We can sing this last song and I'm going to stand over here and you can come up and I can introduce you to him and what it means to follow him and embrace him and know him and to be forgiven by him and to become a sheep in his pasture. But if you do know him and your soul is beat down from the year and you feel weary in your bones and you want to trust him and live, not live in fear and not live in worry and you want to walk his path this year. Well, here is the final New Year's resolution that I want to give you. To, and this, this is the, the, the cherry on top. This is the, the foundation, really. This is what you need. You want to see your soul restored? Spend the first 15 minutes of your day reading the Bible and praying. Make that your New Year's resolution. That every day I'm going to spend the first 15 minutes. What's 15 minutes, y'all? Sit your phone down. And spend the first 15 minutes of your day reading the Bible and praying. If you start going to the gym tomorrow, and by some miracle you make it all year long going to the gym, think about how different you would look in a year. How swole you would be, how ripped you would be, how good looking you would be. Right? If you spent a year in the gym every day, it would produce results you could see. And if you commit to spending time with the good shepherd in his word and in prayer every single day, the difference in you in a year's time will be nothing compared to what the gym did for you. So spend the first 15 minutes of your day reading the Bible and praying. And you may not see the difference tomorrow. That's why everybody quits the gym. Because they don't see the results in three days. And you're not going to see the results in a week. But in three months and in six months and in nine months and in 12 months, you will be a different person. A person who trusts the Lord, who's not living in fear, not living in worry, but a person who knows his shepherd, knows the good shepherd. The good shepherd who doesn't just protect us and provide for us, but lays down his life. And if he's willing to lay down his life for you, how will he not also with him give us all things? Let's pray. Father, we're thankful this morning. That we've made it to the end of the year. We're thankful that as we look back, we see your hand at work. We see provision. We see protection. We see purpose in our life given by you. And so, Father, help us to actually take the time to, to make that list, to, to look at all of the ways that, that we can remember that you provided and protected and were in our lives. From every paycheck to every midnight friend that we needed. And Father, as we look to 2024, there are enemies lurking and waiting to pounce. There are jobs that are going to be lost. There are going to be relationships that are destroyed. There are going to be uh, trials and storms and difficult seasons. That will happen to most all of us in this room. Father, right now, would you help us to cement our, our feet on the foundation of the good shepherd to draw close to him so that when that storm comes, when that trial comes, even if we've got to go through the rain and go through the, the difficulties and jump the hurdles, and even if we come out the other side bruised and bloody, we know that we will come out of it stronger and wiser and closer to you and more holy and more refined and more ready to face the next storm. And so, Father, help us to trust you 
and to cling tight to you and to stay near to you knowing you've got our backs. And that while we sleep, you're watching and protecting and you're always with us. You are our shepherd, so we shall not want. You make us lie down in green pastures. You lead us beside the still waters. You restore our souls and you lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. That even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear evil for I know you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You anoint my head in the presence of our enemies. Father, we know this is true of you and your son, you our good shepherd. Help us to cling close to you in your word in 2024 and help us to see the difference it makes as we live and walk and model the life of our good shepherd. We love you in Christ and we pray. All his people said, let's stand together.